Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Nesson Dorma Draft. I'm Martin Ramsey, your host as always. Um, this time it's not a particular tournament, it's not a particular season, but an entire decade. Easy, you might think, to pick three or four different teams, unique teams from um, a span of 10 years. Maybe not quite. International football has a lot of consistency around it and therefore we are only three rather than four uh, in order to pick the best 11 that England have managed to cap in the 1980s. Joining me are two Ness and Dormer regulars, Gary Naylor. Welcome, Gary. Your specialist subject, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was, I can say I was there at the time, not on the field, of course, but watching some of the players and there may just be a little bit of personal bias come through my choices. Let's wait and see. Oh, there'll be a lot of personal bias come through my choices. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Rob, <laughs> yeah, Rob Smythe. I'm, I am good, lad. How are you both? Yeah, good. Now, I've, in other platforms, done a draft of the decade and a club draft of the decade with four participants, and there's been more than enough to get us talking and fighting and arguing and everything else. Um, we had originally scheduled four, um, just because of when we were doing it, that, that, that's been kind of curtailed to three. Just as well, Gary, I think, because the, the amount of players that are available, um, maybe international football streams, maybe if we do an England team of the, the, the 2010s at one point, that'll be a, a whole different proposition. But there are some familiar faces all the way through um, that decade. And, and maybe players maybe picked on their reputation and their, their, their past contribution rather maybe than their, their current form, but such is the way of international football, perhaps. Yes, that's certainly so. Um, you, you you look at it, and I'm sure we'll we'll see the big names. But there wasn't as much international football. It seemed to be as much international football being played. There were friendlies, but somehow it's hard to kind of remember or register them. Although we are able to pick players who just played in friendlies. But when you've got some of the big names playing a hundred matches, many of which were in that decade or, or thereabouts just under 100, really. It doesn't give a huge amount of opportunities if they're in a specialist position, defensive midfielder, centre-forward, goalkeeper, etc. Et so um, you have to look around, you have to be creative, you have to think about how players might fit together. Um, you have to think about systems. And what I've enjoyed thinking about, which I think is a little bit moot, is how they would play in with the knowledge that we have now of, of, of systems and of a pressing game. And I'm going to come back to that, uh, I'm sure, later on. Um, so it's it's kind of reimagining as much as picking an 80s team that I've enjoyed doing. Now, whether that will fit in or not remains to be seen. It's up to the listeners. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, I had a quick look at this. So we, we need to pick 33 players between us. In the 80s, only 22 players got 20 caps or more. Mm. So it just shows that, um, and only six got 50. So, yeah, you and one of those 22 was um Terry Fennick, and I wouldn't go near him with a barge pole. So, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. Uh, always is again, listeners, the rules um, any player capped between the 1st of January 1980 and uh, New Year's Eve uh, 1989 is eligible to be selected. But the strength and value of the 11s that are picked should be based on what they gave and what they produced in the 1980s. So some will make debut later on in the 80s, but maybe came to prominence in Italian 90 or later. Um, 
some were just probably about hanging on in the early part of that decade, but were maybe more famous and um, more on form in the 1970s. As always, there is a draw so that we can um, fairly um, put things in order, and I will do that now. And it's Rob, myself, mm. and then Gary. Mm. So, Rob, your full sweep of English players from the decade of the 1980s is your... Oh, sorry, gentlemen, yeah. we should say, uh, as we always do, what our formation is going to be. We have to set that out and then, you know, make our bed and then lie in it. Um, I will stick with 1980s tradition in, in, in English football. I don't see how it can be anything other than 4 4 2, but I'll, I'll go 4 4 2, Rob. I'll go for a 3 1 2. No, a 4 4 2, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Well, there's a reason the magazine that launched soon after the 80s was called 4 4 2. <laughs> it's because uh, nobody really thought of doing much else, did they, uh, then? So, uh, 4 4 2 for me, um, I hope. Um, so, my first pick, um, it's quite tricky. It's about 51-49, but I'm going to have to go for Brian Robson, uh, who was a lot of the time in the 80s, people said he was a one-man, ignorable one-man team, which wasn't strictly fair, but you know, he's just absolutely inspirational. Club and country managers were kind of openly in love with him. Um, I think 26 goals, which is second only to the person Martin's going to pick in a minute, I'd imagine. <laughs> um and we remember about him, you know, missing out the World Cup in 86. Obviously, he got injured during it, but he was England's best player at Euro 88. Obviously, England were rubbish, but that's not his fault. Um, mm. He was very good in 82, scored those two goals against France. There's, I mean, there's so much you can say about Robson, but there's one bit that I like is that England scored three goals in the 80s inside the first minute, and he scored all of them. And it mm. just kind of sums up the whole kind of carpe diem philosophy yeah. um but yeah i mean it's quite a robson forever he he'd be captain and uh first put choice yes uh, i know gary's a huge fan we will get to <laughs> those different opinions at the end when all when all selected we can run the rule yeah um i i have to go for gary lineker of course um golden boots uh we, we've done 88 in a lot of detail, gents, of course, um, where he, let's say, did not completely shine, was not fit. He, he was ill. Uh, we didn't really know until, until the end just how ill. Um, but he's the standout um, standout forward of England in, in the 1980s for me. Would, of course, be one of a few that would kind of have to go out and... Um, uh, play abroad um, because of uh, what, what happened after 1985. Um, but yeah, um, Gary Lineker will get me goals. So um, dependable, dependable Lineker. Um, to Gary Neal then from Gary Lineker. And Gary, you have two picks, of course. Yes. Well, I'm going to, I suspect, surprise you a little with this pick, but you do know that I have a bit of a thing for goalkeepers. So I'm going to go for um, Ray Clements, as uh, my first choice uh, in goal. And the reason I'm picking Clements, so there's two main reasons I'm picking Clements, is that he was a early example, I think, of the sweeper-keeper, albeit under different rules where a keeper could come out and more or less Schumacher, attacker running towards them. And as 
Schumacher proved, would not even get a yellow card for it. <laughs> so um, he was pretty brutal in that sense. But he was also a, a wonderful reader of the game. He was extremely good on distribution. And he played in a high press when we didn't call it a high press. We called it a an offside trap, uh, which was absolutely critical to Liverpool's successes in Europe. And I think this is part of kind of reimagining how an 80s England could play. Uh, England didn't always play with the most successful um, approach of any club side, which was that high line uh, with a, a keeper uh, 25, 30 yards out of goal who would almost always come and take ball and or man at the same time. So um, Shilton certainly couldn't do that because Shilton was nothing like as mobile as Clemens. Clemens had a mistake in him, famously against Scotland. I'm sure you'll enjoy recalling that one, uh, Martin. Um, but, you know, he, he's gone now. And it was interesting reading some of the tributes to him because I think it's only really in retrospect that, we realise, you know, how ahead of his time he was, not just at Liverpool, but later on at Tottenham. He he was 32 in, in 1980, so we think of him as being more of a keeper of the 70s, but he had a, a decent career into the 80s, and then I think his influence came out as a highly respected goalkeeping coach, and loath as I am to put a, a, a Liverpool legend as my first choice, I think it really anchors the 11 and the way I'd like this 11 to, to play with an offside trap come the 80s, or a high press, as we call it in uh, these days. It's worth pointing out, it's quite a topical thing now, that while under Ron Greenwood, Clements and Shilton rotated. He, it was literally one game on, one game off, even at the European Championship in 1980. So I think Clements gets two games and Shilton gets one, which at the time was, I mean, I, I don't particularly like it anyway, but at the time it was like extremely unusual. We'll see it a bit now, obviously, potentially with Arsenal and Brighton. Uh, but yeah, it was really interesting that they did that because Greenwood just couldn't choose between them, he said, I think. Yeah, I think uh, that was it. There was an element, wasn't there, of Ron Greenwood being a kind of nice guy and equity and he didn't want to cause rankle in the in the uh, squad. But they, Although eventually he did. Eventually, yeah. I think eventually he plumped for Shilton, but certainly they were rotating for a while. Um, yeah, at Euro 80, Clement saves a penalty against Spain, I think, which gives England their only win. Um yeah, he certainly had his moments. Yeah. Um, so I get another choice now. You do indeed. Yeah. It's like being on that podium in Pointless. Was it podium four <laughs> where you've got to do two in a row? Um, so I'm going to go for, and you'll see a theme emerging uh, here, I think. I'm going to go for a centre-back. And it's, it's another centre-back who was, who I think is, slightly unfairly remembered because of a famous quote that I'm sure will be in people's minds the moment I, I say so and a very sort of 80s bubble perm. But if I've got the two of them sort of working together, then I, I want a, a mobile centre-half who can pass the ball, who'll show a bit of leadership. So I'm going for a professional scouse pundit and the man who was once as sick as a parrot, Phil Thompson. Okay, you're really surprising me here with your um, two Liverpool picks, but nope, fair enough. Um, I will also go um, centre-back, and again, with no surprises here, Terry Butcher for me. Um, 
talk about leadership. Um, you're just a natural leader, calf, um, commanding everything you want in a British um, centre back. But because he was, uh, you know, mental, the blood running down his, his strip, and all of that was that was in 1989, so it still fits this particular show. But that 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 kind of um, um, never say die, run through brick walls kind of spirit. He had a brilliant left foot. He was a genuinely good football player. It was not launching balls in hope. It was long-range passes. Um, John Terry kind of springs to mind as, as a kind of similar player from, from, from recent times who could literally play at a 60-yard pass to, um, to its intended target. Um, Butcher was a brilliant player and, as we've discussed in depth, um, his loss... Um, or his his absence, sorry, uh, at Euro '88 was was absolutely England's loss. Um, yeah, a commanding presence there. So Butcher and Lineker for me. Rob, you have yeah. two now. So I will take Peter Shilton. Um, England's number one for almost all of the eighties. Um, I think eighty-four caps. No other keeper got more than sixteen. I think, or maybe seventeen. Um, what was his stat I found? I was being really boring looking at stats. Yeah, so 28 World Cup games, qualifiers and finals games, he conceded seven goals. Mm. Um, and I know there were moments, you know, being outjumped by Maradona and so on, but um, it, he just made some phenomenal saves. I mean, the last game of the, the last competitive game of the 80s was away to Poland. Um, and it, England had to get a draw to be sure of qualifying mm. for Italian 19. It was like a bloody shooting gallery. Some of the, some of the shots from all i think hugh mcavani said from another parish they were shooting from so far out <laughs> and shot shot was phenomenal that day he actually the guy tom uh tarasevich hits the bar in the last minute from about 40 yards and shot didn't touch that one but he saved everything else um yeah he's still his best goalkeeper i think while i also take gary's point about clarence um yeah sure was just very good and i know there were issues towards the end of his career you know italian icy but no i would have him all day that's not part of the show, of course, Italian 90. Um, no, exactly. Um, and what was oh, yeah, I get another one, don't I? Um, it's a tricky one. I think, hmm, hmm, okay. So, my four kind of top picks would have been Shilton, Butcher, Robson, Lineker. Um, so who's next? Thompson and Clements are in tier two. Um, it's tricky. Um, so I started watching football properly in the late 80s. So this is the player I don't know that much about, but I, I'm gonna take Kelly Sampson because he played more <sighs> minutes than more minutes than anyone else in the 80s for England, even Shilton, who um weirdly had a habit of being subbed. I've totally forgotten about the culture of doing that in friendlies, but anyway, yeah, Sansom left back. Um kind of everything I've read and heard about him, just a very kind of composed, classy player, good on the ball, rarely got done. I know. Like everyone's going to make an error at some point, and I, I think he was partly up for the Ray Houghton's goal in Euro '88. I think by then he was mm. probably slightly past his best. I know I, I get the impression Gary isn't a huge fan, but we'll talk about that later. But ultimately, it's the '80s, and again, he plays 84 games at left back, and the next best is 19 caps, I think. So he must have been doing something right. So yes, that's my man. Yeah, it's annoying. I don't know how many left backs though. There, there really are of well there's um, one very good one isn't there obviously and there's one wild card that i have but obviously i'm not going to tell you because i hope neither of you pick him okay okay um 
Well, if I've got Lineker, I need I need foil. Uh, I need that that those kind of intelligent runs because um, it, it it can't just be two goal scorers in there because they they tend not to work two out and out goal scorers they tend not to work so and he did not work with let's see the big man someone who'd be certainly um, I'd be very fond of of course Mark Hately, um but let's say that that Mark Hately really came to to life in the nineteen nineties um, so I'll go Beardsley um, to play up with Lineker because they. They did work um, to excellent effect. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, so if we are playing four four two, it needs combinations, and yeah, I'll go with that. There's a nice line oh. in there. He said, "He said the reason he loved Beardsley so much is basically that he just left him to it, gave him his space, didn't crowd the penalty area, um, and it just worked perfectly because then Lillard had all that space to work with. Um, yeah. yeah, they. I mean, they they were by far partnership of the ages that he would have." Okay, Gary, double dunt for you. Yeah, I'm going to continue with building a defence. And alongside uh, Phil Thompson, I want one of the classiest fullback, uh, one of the classiest centre backs who's ever played uh, for England. Um, he was just coming into his own in the uh, late 80s. He did play 13 times for England in the 80s, and that's Des Walker. Um, offers a, a cool head, tremendous pace, a great reader of the game. And the only thing that kind of surprises about Des Walker is, you know, how he, how he finished his career with 59 caps. If ever you saw someone who was going to get 100 caps for England, you'd expect it to be Des Walker. But um, it, it, he went to Italy. It didn't come out that way, but we sh- didn't work out for him. Um, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't overlook the fact that he was such a tremendous, tremendous player. Um, so I want Des Walker at the back there. And I get another one. I shall just have a look at now. Um, okay, uh, right. I want a, I want a game changer. I want I want someone who has played at the the highest level. Who again? I found England selections were somewhat capricious in in my uh, mind. Um, that some players got in and stayed in, other players barely got a chance. He's one of the ones who barely got a chance. And I know we've eulogised him um, in one of our best Nesson Dormers of uh, recent years, which was on Aston Villa's uh, European Cup winning team. Um, So uh, I want Tony Morley in there. I saw him score a goal this season at Goodison in, I think, 1982. Uh, He would terrorise defences. Uh, he, he could score goals, he could come inside, uh, he could go outside, and uh, he, he changed games, and he changed them at the very, very highest level, away from home. Um, so to, Tony Morley is my man. Where is he playing for you, Gary? He's playing uh, wide left, wasn't he, Tony Morley? That's what, certainly where he scored his goal at goodness, so I can see it in my mind's eye. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... I will continue wide left then. Uh, if I've got Lineker and Beardsley, I need service. Um, and I know there's a huge debate, and we kind of started that debate around what he gave for England uh, in our Euro 88. But I think that really was more pertinent in the 1990s. It certainly wasn't around 1985, 86. It certainly wasn't in the American It certainly wasn't in Mexico. I'll go for John Barnes out on the left, please. Uh, Rob? Good for you. Yeah. Um, Jesus, it's quite tricky, isn't it? Uh, mm. Okay, I'll take I'll take Kevin Keegan 
Um, so he obviously didn't play much in the 80s and famously missed head against West Germany when he came up in the World Cup. But for two first two years of the 80s, he was England's best player by a mile. Um, played a really important part in qualification, particularly away to that famous win away to Hungary because they nearly made a mess of qualification for 82. Um, he was their best attacker at Euro 80. I think he scored twice against... Um, Argentina when they beat them 3-1 in 81, the world champions. And it's it's important to stress that the 80s friendlies meant a lot more. Mm-hmm. They were probably meant as much now as a Nations League game or as much as a Nations League game does now. So to beat the world champions was a huge thing. And just moments of class, you know, there's, there's a beautiful chip against Ireland in... They played the last Euro 80 qualifier in 1980 and he scores this lovely chip. Just relentless, just constantly optimistic, um, Pain in the ass for defenders, skillful enough, very quick, made things happen. Um, obviously, with Lydica and Beersley gone, we're kind of stretching a bit. And I'd like to replay more than two years, but ultimately, what he did in those two years, I think, makes him well worth a place. And the other one is going to be um, Eli barking in the background. That's what's going to be. I'm going to pick um, Gary Stevens, uh, Everton, I should stress. Because he was England's best right back in the 80s, quite simply. Made a lot of goals, actually. A lot of goals. Um, you'll obviously know, Martin, how good he is. Um, yeah. Yeah, even just, you know, um, 86 against Poland, the famous win in the World Cup after they got one point for the first two games and hadn't scored. He makes the first goal for Lineker. I think he makes the first goal against Paraguay as well, possibly. Uh, just, a, just a very good attacking right back. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm going to put myself on mute because Eli's barking. Yeah. I mean, you've ruined my dream there, Rob, of, of finding every Rangers player that was ever capped by England in the 1980s. <laughs> into my, my um, okay. Better midfield then. Um, yeah, Ray Wilkins. For me, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. The kind of player that um, isn't loved in England, and it's maybe why you've not won anything um, and where you should have. Um, not 100 miles an hour, not career into tackles, not getting injured in the first minute of every game. Um, but classy, tempo, um, cultured, enjoyed his time in Italy, scored a wonderful goal in the European Championships in 1980. Oh, it's I, amazing, that goal, isn't it? It's um, glorious. It's just so easy, really. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll go for, for, for Ray Wilkins in there. Gary. And I'd well, like to look at other right backs. Well, I... I kind of gonna puncture your dream again by picking oh, a Rangers player who played for England. Of course I am, because <laughs> um, I'm going on the other side of the field to have a, a you know a, a complete midfield player in the 80s who could attack and defend, who played with great discipline, hardly ever injured, um, underrated. Uh, I think caught in the a bit of the backwash of the European ban. So didn't get to strut the stage uh, as he might have done, and we didn't get to see him strut the stage because he he went and played at was it was it at Marseille he went to um, yeah he did yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. and talking of course of of Trevor Stephen um, integral part of the great Everton uh, side of the uh, mid eighties scored incredibly important goals uh, and brilliant goals as well and um, another one of those players that that I know we'll talk about them late later on but you. You kind of wonder how Kenny Sanson got 80-odd caps and Trevor Stephen got about half that, if anything. I know they played different positions, but the quality of 
football and the um, potential they had to give to the team was hugely different as anybody who watched Trevor Stephen would attest. Oh, I've got another one. Huh. Yeah, you do another one, yeah. Right. Um, let's have a look. I've got to get a, a forward here. I've got to get somebody to score the goals. Um, and you know, there weren't that many prolific uh, goal scorers around in the 80s. It was probably a, a disappointing decade in, in some ways for England. It didn't have Italian 90, Euro 96, or the kind of high points we've had in the last Euros and World Cup either, nor obvious centre-forwards like Harry Kane. But I'm, I'm picking an, another kind of classy player who recently uh, died at a, a young age and it was nice reading the appreciations. He was perhaps a little self-effacing for the, for the blood and thunder leader of the line that, that England have preferred. You know, one thinks of the, the Shearers and, you know, all the way back to Stan Mortensen. He was a diff very different kind of player, but he had a a great record. He scored the winning goal in the European Cup final. He was the first million pound player. I'm going for Trevor Francis. <laughs> you just picked the white button up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he played for Rangers as well. God. Yeah, no, he did. He did. Can, can you pick uncapped players? Can you pick Nigel Sackman? <laughs> oh, he will. He, mm. Graham uh, Roberts. Oh, yeah, Greg Roberts played. Greg Roberts did, yeah. I don't think he's kept often right enough. Um, okay, who am I going to have then? I really have to look at. Right backs aren't in great order. I'll go for Viv Anderson if that's all right. Before my time, but um, well thought of, well regarded. Um, um, did he win both European Cups at Forest? Think so. Certainly the second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll go for I'll go for Viv. Rob. One thing he's got. One thing he's got over Stevens is he scored the old, scored the old goal as well. Anderson. Yeah. Very handy at set pieces. Um, okay, mine will be on the right wing. Steve Koppel. Uh, career tragically cut short by some Hungarian lunatic. Uh, again, would have only played about three years, but. Um, was one of the absolute nailed-on regulars for pretty much any manager, club or country, when he was fit. Quite a modern player in some ways, quite old-fashioned in others, just very fast, very direct, good crosser, good finisher, but also quite intelligent. There's a lovely goal, I think it's against Scotland, actually, when he has a shot blocked, and the, I think it's Alan Ruff, and then he just, you don't think when you know you're going to get to the ball a split second for someone, you just stab it gently over them. He does yeah. that and then puts it in the open goal. It's just really... He, he always seemed very composed, even though he did everything at high speed. Um, yeah, I, I love watching videos of him as a Man United fan. I would, but I just thought he was a fantastic winger. So he'd have had about three years. He'd have been a regular in 1882. And it's interesting that people always talk about Keegan and Brooking not being fit, which is valid in 82. But also Koppel missed the Spain game. I, I assume through mm. injury it must have been. Um, when they had to score, win 2-0 to go through and they didn't drew 0-0. But yeah, I thought he was a terrific player, made goals, scored goals, worked incredibly hard. So he'll do. Um, and so let me just see now. Where else? Um, and then up front alongside Keegan, I'll have the person I thought Gary was going to pick, actually, when he talked about someone passing fairly recently, mm -hmm. and that's Paul Mariner, yeah. um, who I think only three players, Lydica Robson and someone else, scored more in the 80s, scored some really important goals, scored the goal that took England to a World Cup for the first time in 12 years. Um, 
like a, just a, a played well with Keegan, which is another consideration. Um, a very kind of strong, rugged target man, but could play a bit as well. Two-footed enough, decent finisher, um, great attitude. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Lineker is the pick, but I think after that you could make a case for anyone really, Francis Mariner or whoever. And I really like Mariner, particularly with Keegan. So, yeah. I, I was pick. there. I was there for the match. Oh, were you the hungry Mariner game? Mariner scored the goal. It was a shocking game, and you've never seen a scruffier goal. But the thing I was, think it's got, a good goal, though. I th- no, I think he, I've watched this, and I know what you mean because he falls over. It's a misdirected over, yeah. shot. But I think he, I think there's enough of a reaction. There's an element of luck, obviously, because he's falling over. But if you look, he does adjust his feet. Um, so I agree it's scruffy, but I also think it was intentional. But I would say that. I just picked him, I guess. <laughs> okay. Good choices. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be slightly controversial and go quite modern in, in my my approach. I know he was left footed, uh, but I'm going to use him inverted, put him over the right, and ask him to cut in um, and play Chris Waddle as well because I'm struggling really mm. to think of any out and out. He played both sides. Mm. He, he, played, he could he play on the he... right. Well, sorry to interrupt, but I think it's November '89. He gives Mal. Dini and almighty chasing yeah. playing on the right wing. And it's funny, I was looking, I looked, read David Lacey's report, and this shows how things change. And he was talking about Maldini being a consistent weak link in the Italian defense. <laughs> shows how things change. Whereas now you think basically he got about two chasings in his whole career, one from Waddle and one yeah. from Baborski. But anyway, yeah, he did. He played, I think he played more on the left at first. And then when they obviously tried to integrate Barnes as well, he played on the right. So that's yeah. that's perfectly fair. Uh, good. Rob, you're double, I think. Is oh, it? Oh, no, it's just Gary. Gary. It's me, yeah. yeah um, Gary, just, just for fun, um, I'll, I'll just keep listeners up to speed here. Gary, you at the moment are Ray Clemens, Phil Thompson, Des Walker, Trevor Stephen, uh, Tony Morley, and Trevor Francis. So um, you need a couple of fullbacks yeah. and I, a couple of midfielders and a striker, I think. Well, I, I'm seeing that my, my team lacks the kind of big names and star names of which there aren't that many to choose mm. from especially mm. once you've you've gone for Lineker and and Beardsley who are obviously the best combination up front but I'm I'm going to continue to build on strong foundations and pick a player again who's probably known more for the 90s but the delicious prospect of him uh being behind Tony Morley and carrying the attack down the left side is is something I can't resist and he'd also Obviously, be strong in the tackle. I'm going for Stuart Pierce. Of course, yeah. And uh, obviously carries set piece and the goal threat as well. Once won me a nice bit of money on the first goal scorer in an FA Cup final. I think it was ninety one when he scored. When you say goal, goal, when you say goal threat, nineteen caps, no goals in the. No, that's true. But you see, this is sorry, that's completely yeah, This is no, it's it's absolutely true. But this is this no, no. underlines a point no, no, that, I that I that I often made about England in the eighties. We we sometimes looked at it and we we wondered why players weren't being. And I know we played some of those games in the nineties. We wondered why players weren't being used to the in their sort of best positions what? or doing the best things, you know. And we it, it, it seemed to take a while, and of course. We remember, and we don't want to go harp on about it, Italian 90, because we've we've done it to death in lots of ways, but it was almost a kind of player revolt that got England into the right formation, even in the 1990s. So it might, maybe it's unfair, but my recollection in the 80s is that it could have been a lot better 
mm. in terms of England. There is, of course, sitting in the middle of the decade, uh, the European ban, which does make you know life difficult, mm. I understand, for players who were somewhat left behind, international yeah. developments. Um, but still, I, 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 I want him. Um, so I need another forward here. Um, so who am I going to have? Well, I'll go for a player, and I think they may interleave quite well together, um, neither of whom are, are big centre forwards, both of whom uh, are going to be quick and run the channels. Um, so I'm going to go for Tony Woodcock. Um, I liked him very, very much when he came through at, at Forest. Uh, there, he was a clever player. Um, he attacked the space. Uh, he was always available for the through ball in the channels from midfielders who could get their heads up, and um, also played his uh, club football. And I think Germany did uh, Tony Woodcock play at Hamburger? No, Keegan was Hamburg. Where did he go? But yes, he did. He certainly went to. Germany for two, three years. Yeah. yeah, he was a good player. So he scored only Lineker and Robson scored more goals in the eighties for England, which is slightly Amazing. surprising, given yeah. that he was pretty much done by about eighty-four. Can I just say because I did a slightly snide start on Pierce? No, I, must, sorry. I must give you no. I must give you one in return because, and this is kind of doing down my own selection. But my argument would be that Kenny Sanson had a kind of natural endpoint in eighty-eight. Anyway, England was shambles defensively in eighty-eight, Euro eighty-eight, and after that they bring in Pierce sort of slowly, but particularly Des Walker. And they kind of just stopped conceding goals overnight. Yeah. So in the 80s, there's Walker, because he was quite high on my list. They can see when he was on the pitch, they could see three goals in 17 and a half hours. Like yeah. that is that is outrageously good. They qualified for Italian 90 without conceding a single goal, partly thanks to Shilton. But so yeah, you can have that stat for free. <laughs> I love I love Walker because he he did hit the ground running in international football in a way that centre backs often don't. You know, Tony Adams had teething problems. Walker would be a bit older, which would help, but yeah, you know what I think about. I think he's one of the all-time greats. I do. Sorry, okay. Dan. Oh, yeah, Woodcock was your other pick, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Right. This is getting pretty tricky. I, look, I, I've tried to be in the past on these drafts very sensible and sturdy and look for balance, and it's got me absolutely nowhere, so I'm playing to the gallery here. <laughs> oh, you, no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm straight in the middle. I don't yeah. care if there's, there's not a tackler in my midfield. I've got Butch and I'll try and find some other um, big meat eaters at the back there. I'll go for Glenn Hoddle along with uh, Ray Wilkins and it'll be the sexiest midfield along with John Barnes, Chris Waddle. Um, that's plenty of support for Lineker. And <laughs> that's an absurd, player, I think. That's an absurd midfield. That makes the Man United midfield of this season look watertight. <laughs> Listen, I, I've tried. I've tried to be pragmatic in these things. <laughs> Punters don't care. They won't. I, I think there's an interesting shame. discussion about these players. Hoddle, Barnes, and Waddle in particular, who we all kind of think to some extent were either underused or underachieved. But ultimately, they're kind of aren't for this purpose. There aren't many alternatives, are there? Yeah. No. They played so yeah. many games. And actually, they did have their moments. Like, Barnes, I was looking at Barnes doing a bit of prep for this. And actually, I'd forgotten how well he played in qualification for both 88 and 90. He scored some really good and timely goals. Uh, and Hoddle has plenty of good moments as well. I mean, Hoddle is one of the only six players who won 50 caps. So that tells you that he was still getting a fair go, albeit often played from the right or whatever. But yeah, he, he would have been my next pick. So thanks a lot. No problem. You've got two now, though. Yeah, I know. And I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do. So I need two centre-backs, a 
left winger and a central midfielder. Okay. Okay, my left left winger playing from the left will be uh Sir Trevor Brooking, um, who a few reasons for picking him combined very well with Keegan, particularly for the famous goal in Hungary when it gets stuck in the stanchion. Uh he was very obviously a very smart player, timed his runs brilliantly, he could score, could pass. Uh and I like yeah, I like the idea of him playing from the left. Uh a bit like I don't know, a bit, a, a bit like the way you see these days with someone like, say, phone from the right. I'm not comparing those players, but I mean just mm. the positions they take up and so on. So I'll have him. Um, and again, probably didn't play as much as I would want, but that applies to everyone now. We're at that stage. Yeah, and again, for two years, two years, he's one of his best players. Had him and Keegan been fit in 82, yeah, they may well have got to certainly the semis, maybe more. Um, so that leaves centre mid and two centre backs. Okay. So I will pick um Jesus. Who would mm. I pick? Mm. Um okay, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Dave Dave Watson of Southampton, not of Everton, um, who was I'll be honest, I don't know a huge amount about him, but I know that he won a hell of a lot of caps. I think it was about 80 odd in the end. Now, obviously, not many of those in the 80s, but he was a first choice centre back. Euro 80 played every minute uh and frankly there aren't too many others when you look at England in the 80s because 82 it's Butcher and Thompson 80 it's Watson and Thompson 84 they don't qualify 86 is Butcher and anyone mainly Fennec and I'm not going near him 88 Adams and Wright kind of struggle so um I think it's to some extent much for muchness uh, but he's another one who played in Germany as well albeit probably slightly past his peak uh but yes, I believe he was a pretty good player from everything I've read, so he'll do. He was, yeah. So Rob, again, just to update, um, you have Peter Shilton in goal, Gary Stevens and Kenny Sampson uh, fullback. Um, Dave Watson, your only centre back at of, the moment. Of Southampton, important of Southampton. to um, <laughs> Steve Coppel on the right, um, uh, with Brian Robson, Trevor Brooking in your midfield. So you're looking what another centre midfield, another centre back? Is that right? Yes, exactly. Your centre back conundrum is, is is absolutely fair. Um I'm kind of all out at the moment. I'm gonna to have to maybe he did play for England in, in the eighties. I did check, but this would be at the very start. That'd be Emlyn Hughes. Um again, not prominent. Um, but we're running out of we're running out of people, I think, at the back there. So yeah. Um it's either that or, or Adams and uh, on our Euro 96 pod, Rob, I think Jonathan O'Brien made up an impassioned defence of, of, of Tony Adams at Euro 96, but you know, his his baptism of fire was utterly horrific. I think it's probably probably fair to say. So um yes. I'll, I'll go for Emlyn Hughes. And that means at the moment I don't have a goalkeeper, although I think you can guess who I will choose. <laughs> yes. Um Viv Anderson at right back. I'm still missing a left back. That could be a problem. Teddy Butch and Emily Hughes in the middle. Um Chris Wardle, Ray Wilkins, Glenn Hoddle, John Barnes, Gary Lineker, Peter Beardsley. Oh my days. Um yeah if I can just keep the door shut that would be that'd be all right. Um Gary then you have yeah. two positions to fill our right back um and a couple of centre midfielders is that right? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, and I, I, I would concur with some of those earlier suggestions. You rather stole the, the 
carpet from under my feet. I was going to play Emlyn Hughes. I, I would like to have played him, although this would have got laughed out of court as a marauding um, hmm. midfield shield, um, which he did play, I think, in his younger days. Um, but no, uh, he's gone. Um, the, the right back position. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tinker. I'm gonna tinker because I. Paul Parker's available. He only played once or twice in the 80s, and I did pick him in the Italian 90 draft. But instead, no, I'm not going to go for Paul Parker. Instead, oh. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Des Walker to play in one of the fullback roles, and I'm going to go for Mark Wright in the middle. Then I, I want these ball playing defenders. So I'm going to slightly change formation because we, we just don't have the range of fullbacks, I think, available. And I'd rather ask Des Walker to do a job at fullback and play Phil Thompson and Mark Wright in the middle than try and squeeze in a right back for the sake of a, a right back. And I still like the look of that defence there. Um, I still think there's a, enough going, enough in it to, to both be creative and keep the back door shut. Uh, so I think I need two central midfield players, of which I have the opportunity to name one now. Mm-hmm. And um, it comes to absolutely nobody's surprise that I want, to, I want one of the original Dogs of War in there. And you're already ahead of me, Martin, <laughs> in picking a man with 13 caps. 13 caps. And that's Peter Reed. Who would have thought it? Yeah, Who I'm surprised. I'm just... Surprised it took so long, but I'm guessing you you banked correctly on no one else um, <laughs> going, going near it, uh, which is is fair to see Rob um, nodding away. Yeah, my, my left back options are probably I'm going to have to go for Mick Mills. Um, I don't really see any other. Phil Neal started as left back. I'm pretty sure, but that was in the seventies. I'm pretty sure if he played for England, it would have been. Right back in, in, in those early 80s, um, if he had to come on. So I'm pretty sure when Samson was injured or unavailable, which did happen um, in the earlier days, McMill's popped in there. So I'm going to have to go for him. Um, right, Rob, you have two goals to complete your team. Um, a centre-back and a centre-midfielder. Mm. Um, just on the left backs, the one who I think is really interesting is Derek Statham. Um, he yeah. only played three caps. West Brom. He he was supposed to join Liverpool, and I think he fell on a medical. But I'm I'm quite intrigued by him because I know Coppel said, and Coppel was a bloody good winger. I think said he was the toughest left back he played against. So I've always been quite intrigued by him. I wouldn't have picked him because he only won three games, caps two of them I think in Australia. But anyway, so my two are going to be. It's not ideal, but I'm going to pick. Terry McDermott to play alongside Robson. Um, scored some very good goals. Kind of a score of great goals, really. More for Liverpool, mm-hmm. but it was a, a lovely half volley for England in one of the 82 qualifiers. I forget who it was against. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. And just for a laugh, and because the alternatives aren't that great, I'm going to pick the other Dave Watson as well. So I'll have Dave, oh. Dave Watson and David Vernon Watson. Dave Watson Everton, who Gary obviously loves. Uh, yeah, like, very good centre back. Um, I mean, didn't play a huge amount, but then we're already in that territory. I think the only other one who played 20 or more was Fennec. And I just purely for the Argentina game, when he should be sent off about four times, I cannot yeah. pick him. Um, 
So there were others, you know, Alvin Martin was a good player and played at a World Cup, but yeah, sod it. Let's, I, w- I would have quite liked to pick both Gary Stevens as well. Yeah. Because I could hear Gary, John Mott to say, Gary Stevens of Spurs. Or, but anyway, mm. that would have been stretching, I think. So that's my team. Full band if you pick both Gary Stevens alongside both Dave. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Peter Shilton goals, Gary Stevens right back, Kenny Sampson left back. Um, two centre halves called Dave Watson, centre back <laughs> called Dave Watson. Um, Steve Coppel, Terry McDermott, Brian Robson, Trevor Brooking, a bit of a mixture of um industry and um silk in there, and Kevin Keegan, Paul Mariner up. Front, not bad at all. Um, I just need a goalkeeper to conclude, and I have to obviously go with um, Chris Woods. Um, there aren't many options really available. Um, and Woods is an unlucky story. If life is luck, um, sport is luck as well, especially international football, and especially when you are a goalkeeper, you can't exactly be drafted into help out at right back, um, or, or somewhere else just to get you in the team. Um, what he did, played behind um, Clements at Forest, didn't he? And then, obviously, uh, an understudy for, for years um, to Shilton, who I think I've already shared that view, was was maybe too long gone by, by Italian 90. World record breaker twice, Chris Woods was. World record breaking fee for a goalkeeper when he went to Rangers in 86. And the uh, shutout record um, in terms of minutes was broken in January 87, I think. Sebastiano Rossi may have broken that away um, in the early, early 90s for, for Milan. Um, but a fine, fine goalkeeper. Sadly, when he did get his chance, he had suffered one bad injury and in, in an illness, really, that by the time that the, the early 90s came, he, he was nowhere near um, the, the, the player he had been really throughout the 80s. Um, the, the, one of the world's best understudies, I guess, but um, for obvious reasons, I love him. So I no problem putting him in there. So my team is Chris Woods and goal, Viv Anderson, McMills at fullback, Terry Butcher, Emily Hughes at the centre of defence. Um, the classiest midfield of Waddle, Wilkins, Hoddle and Barnes and all the goals you could ever imagine with Lineker and Beardsley. It's attacking one, boys. It's bold. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all right with that. How are we going to finish this then? Um, Gary, you need a central well- midfield. There are, there are two two lost great players, I think, um, or certainly two players who, for whom injury curtailed their, their potential uh, in that great Villa side of uh, that won the league and then the European Cup. One, of course, is the is the much missed Gary Shaw, who could have been the silkiest of forwards for England and indeed was for Villa, but um, picked up injuries uh, and was never the same again. Uh, another was at his peak really as a creative midfield player and I need a creative midfield player, a man who can um, find the passes into the channels uh, for the runners that I have uh, in front of him. Um, but he missed the whole season 83-84 having won the European Cup and the league and that's Gordon Cowens, another one who left us relatively recently. Um, we never saw the best of Gordon Cowan's playing for England because of the uh, injuries. But I think he did spend some time abroad as well, didn't he? He, he played, yeah, he played for, for Bari um, there. So he's my he's my playmaker there. So shall I run through my, my 11 there? 
I will, and then you can start okay. your yeah. your defence of them. Uh, and, and oh, is Gordon Count Gordon Counter still alive? I thought he'd gone. I, so I, is Gary Shaw. I know Gary Shaw is. Yeah, I thought. I, I, thought, I Gary... thought when you said much missed about Gary Shaw, I thought has he died? And I just couldn't <laughs> yeah. uh, rumours rumours of his demise are. are oh well, there yeah. we are. Good on him. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Good on him. Well done, Joe. You're still kicking the ball. Um, here, here's Gary's team then. Ray Clemens in goal. Des Walker, Stuart Pierce um, at fullback. Des Walker being shoehorned over there. Phil Thompson, Mark Wright at centre back. That's the Mark Wright of Euro 88, no Italian 90. <laughs> Stephen, Peter Reid, Gordon Counts, Tony Morley with Trevor Francis, Tony Woodcock up front. So um, a real early 80s feel to your. Um, Attack Gary and a, a late 80s feel maybe to um to your your, your defense. Are you happy? And, and where do you think you're your you're strongest? Well, I'm I'm happy in the sense that I've picked a very I feel a very solid team. It won't set the pulses racing because it doesn't have everybody's favorite panini sticker in there. Um, but I feel when you look at some of the club form of those players. You look at how often England were underwhelming at international level in the 80s, and some of these players did not get the chances that they ought to have got. Um, you look at the kind of, of pace that's in that back four. Uh, you look at the strength of that side. Um, I think there's a lot of creativity in there. I think they would terrorise out wide. I think they're solid in the middle. I think we've got a goalkeeper who is um, not as good a shot stopper as Peter Shilton because very few were, but offers a lot more uh, elsewhere in his game. And I don't expect that the listeners will vote my uh, my eleven to be the, the best here, but I think I'd, I'd want to put them up against uh, the elevens of uh, Martin and Rob, particularly over a tournament. Um, I think that that my guys would would come through. They'd grind out some one nils and they'd uh, they'd turn it on to take a, a comfortable two nil into an impressive four nil. So um, I'm happy with who I have, whom I have, uh, but uh, there are certainly players that you guys have got which I would uh, covet, uh, like my neighbour's ass. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Rob, I'll, I'll let you go first on. On your assessment of Gary's eleven, I think all the teams in the circumstances have done pretty well because it is a stretch. Mm. But I'm just Des Walker right back. It's just an instant red flag for me. <laughs> not, not having that, not only because I don't think he can play there, but I also think it's a waste of a fantastic mm. centre back. Um, it's a pretty good team. I'm, uh, is there enough in attack? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm probably taking this too literally, but I just keep thinking about how many times they actually played in the '80s. And I think you've only got, but you haven't got a single. Let me just check this. Your most capped player. Sorry, I know. I know this is far too in late, the eighties. Would be probably yeah, a good I, So your most capped player is Trevor Francis with thirty-five, oh. and he is four, six, eight, ten, twelve on the list. So, and I know that's slightly like anal and joyless on my part, but that is kind of the criteria for it. So those would be my two main criticisms. And it counts. What, what would you say, Rob? That that Trevor Stephen Peter Reid. Golden Cowns maybe are genuine 80s players because Gary seems to have a lot, as I said, yes. at either end that are just breaking through. Um, Stuart Pierce, Des Walker, Mark Wright um, and those who are just coming to the end. Clemens, Francis, Woodcock. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that's fair. The Woodcock plays, I think his last captain 86. Mm. Wright plays quite early. So I think I'd like there aren't I'd be interested to see if she has the fewest caps. It'll be Morley and Cowns, of course. Um, but the rest of them, you know, like Reed is a decent one, I think. I think he was part of the and Stephen probably more importantly, part of the changes that helped them do well in Mexico. Um I don't know, the midfield just looks a bit plain to me. Well, I I, I get that they all have virtues and Cowns was a nice player, and I know Chris Freddie rated him really highly, and I trust his judgment on England, particularly because he pretty much went to all the home games in the eighties. Um yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I the Des Walker thing definitely. That's, that's a no from me. I can, I can, I can understand a hundred percent. But it's all part of fun, I guess. Uh, I'll just come back briefly, though. Um, it's no surprise that some of the players I've picked have relatively few caps because I think I spent most of the time, as as most Everton fans did, but certainly were not alone in thinking England were picking the wrong players. So England, England. Sometimes the 11 turn up there and think, he's getting picked again, again? So um, it's no surprise to me that, that, say, after a decade of wondering why these players were persisted with, that I'm not persisting with them myself. Um, there, is, there are one or two obvious examples of that. Thank you, Gary. Thank Christ we did not have four. On, on I this know, imagine. Trying to get four different teams from, from, from this group would have been... Dead Walker would be playing in goal. <laughs> uh, who, are yeah, the good, that, who are the good players who were left out? Steve Hodge was one who I was quite Steve tempted Hodge. By. Important um, part in 86, but yeah. I just picked Brooking ahead of him. Alvin maybe, Martin, centre-back. Yeah. Maybe a few goal scorers. Tony Cotty, Alan Smith, maybe. maybe he, did Cotty even... Did they play much? I don't uh, know. Hatley's another one. Hatley Hatley's the one, yeah. Hately scored some important, really important goals. Without his goals, 86 qualification gets very hairy. Uh, I think yeah. an equaliser in Finland and a late winner in Northern Ireland. So he's an I think one, one of you should probably have picked him, but I, I couldn't. I, given how badly yeah. he played with Lineker, I couldn't possibly <laughs> pick him. I went for the fact that Mario and Keegan played together quite regularly and yeah. did pretty well. But yeah, he would be, he would be a fair shout, I think. Um, how many times, I'm just looking him up here, um, no, it was right at the end of his career. Another Rolls Royce of a player, uh, but he didn't play much in the eighties. It was seventies. Was Ray Kennedy? So um, yeah, he played a bit of Euro eighty, but that was it. Yeah, and was slightly on the wane by then. Yeah, he was. That's going. Yeah, so he didn't play. Was it five or six games? Scored a goal, yeah. really nice goal against Albania. But yeah, oh, there, there were, I mean, there were some good players. Yeah, yeah, McMahon. I thought about him in midfield. But again, he, I don't think he played enough. There were one or two Webb. qualifiers. Webb, so Webb was quite promising for a while in the mm. between '86 and '88 in particular. And then was Clough ever picked? I don't. He think was. So. Did he, he was. get one cap or something? Yeah, but I mean, it was very. So David Platt would have got a cap right at the end, but yeah. Just looking at some of the other names. Kerry actually, Kerry Dixon did okay, four and eight, including one I think mm. in Germany, but. Not many others really. Rowcastle on the right would be an option. He played quite well in a few qualifiers, but um, yeah, no, you, it's kind of three well, or four uh, caps after that. An interesting one would have been Larry Cunningham, who yeah. only mm. played one in the 80s, but you know, he, he went abroad, and in those days, going abroad was very much sort of dropping out of the picture. He only played six times for England, and you, you know, he, he played his last game at 24 or something. You know, he, he had something really special, and it was recognised uh, when he played abroad. 
So, I mean, he's another example, I think, of a of a player that England perhaps with a more sympathetic in, in a more sympathetic environment would have got more out of. There are some fascinating players who played only one time in the eighties. Frank Lampard Senior, I had no idea about that. <laughs> Larry Lloyd's only game, they lost four one at Wales and he had a stinker. Then you got people like Nick Pickering. Uh, Mel Sterland, Mike Fingal, oh, I remember. Uh, I'd known Mel Sterland was about Robert. <laughs> Did these players play on kind of Australia tours or USA or the baseball grounds and stuff? Yeah, there was a there was an Australian tour in '83, and I know like that's when Mark Barham played both his games. People like that. Uh, Sterling was, I think, in, possibly in Saudi Arabia, maybe in '88. Um, yeah, Larry Lloyd was a home international championship game where <laughs> when England were just shambolic. Um, but yeah. I think Hodge was the only one, but once yeah. Brooking was available, I kind of thought I wanted Brooking on the left yeah. rather than centre. So yeah. Okay, um, I think my eleven is offensive in a couple of ways. Offensive to Robson, <laughs> stability and balance, but it is very attacking. Um, but there's definitely creation there, especially through Waddle, Hoddle, and, and, and Barnes for two goal scorers and uh, a front two that we know worked. And there's no question about that. They, they stepped up at the, the big moment and, and delivered. Um, I don't need, I, I just, just don't fancy the, the the kind of Tasmanian devil holding midfielder. I, I like someone with a bit of class and control and balance. And I, I'll always love Wee Wilkins. Um, so I've no issues really with that. No apologies whatsoever. Um, and I think with Butcher and Woods, Woods, of course, being you know the world record holder for shutouts in the 1980s, um, um, Viv Anderson is solid. Mick Mills is, a, is an auxiliary left back. He's he, admittedly he's coming in um, to do a job. I think Viv Anderson's a solid right back. Butcher yeah. clearly is the centre back of the 80s. Um, and you know, Uses Hughes' experience, perhaps, um, just to shepherd us through. Um, he'll need to. He'll need to, yeah. I, I've, I've got Butcher yeah. and Lineker, Hoddle, I think are three, and Barnes, sorry, three, well, there's four standout English players, I think, of, of the 1980s and a few others that are well-loved as well, in Terms certainly in terms of their position, in my opinion. The best centre-back, the best forward for sure, by quite some distance, I think. Um, and other than Mick Mills and, and an ageing Emily News, I don't think the rest of them are. Oh dear, um, there's a bit, a bit of a problem there, but I'm sure you'll tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I, 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 I'm just looking at this and, you know, one, one reflects on one's own kind of background. And, and, and I think, I, I think, I think my, my views are just coloured by so many times in the mid 80s when I looked at an England side and I thought well Everton have got better players than these and so you know I look at, at Hoddle, Wilkins, Waddle, uh, Mills, uh, Woods and I think well Everton's players are better than these and I kept seeing them playing for England now it wasn't always obviously Woods um, position it was Neville Southall so obviously he couldn't play for England but there was a kind of kind of impatience or uh, a certain lack of identity with the England team when our players who were finishing, you know, first in the league, then second, then first, then second, and winning cups and winning the European Cup and this cup and things like this, when it mattered, um, 
and you're thinking, you know, these these players aren't as good, and yet they they keep getting picked for England, which is, it's amazing that here here we are, sort of how long thirty. 39 years on from 84 when that team came together and I still can't shake off that um that feeling as much as as viewpoint um and you know it, it kind of gives me a little bit of sympathy now when I you know you hear fans of of clubs saying you know that their, their players being ignored for England because there was no no doubt at all that we felt that you know Bracewell reads things like this Ken Ada welcome Paul yeah. Bruce, oh, yeah. Ray Wilkins. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ray, Ray, sideways pass from Ray Wilkins. Yeah. 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 Pula did a lot of that. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think having Butcher and then Lydica plus Beardsley, it like gives you so much strength. Yeah. The midfield kind of great underachievers, arguably, but which it's probably worth saying also, just for people who don't know anything in the 80s that well, it's worth. It's the most obvious in the world, but it's worth looking up John Barnes' goal in the American R, which is extraordinary. Yeah. Probably in some ways the worst thing that happened to him. But um mm. yeah, I mean the three of four Rob played outside of England, mm, it should be said, and, and flourished yeah. and, and had great times in, in, in France and in and, Italy, it must be said. And were they playing for England then? No, no, I'm only joking. The, um do you know this is what I meant to say? You haven't got a ball winner, but you have got the man who had the worst disciplinary record for England in the eighties. Oh, as yeah, many yellow no, cards no. as anyone, and the only man to be sent off. Um, yeah. I couldn't believe Fennec hadn't managed it, but Fennec also had three yellow cards. They didn't have the red, despite the fact he should have done against Argentina. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think Lyric and Beersley just kind of. There's I'm goals seeing, there, boys. I'm seeing There's that red line. Yeah. There's creation of goals. I, I was surprised That's, how few goals Beardsley scored for him. Now it was all about making them. Oh, well, it absolutely was. What you yeah. now call absolutely. a pre-assist or whatever. But yeah. he also scored some. I mean, I, what I love about Beardsley also is his work ethic. Like the famous game in Yugoslavia where they have to win, they have to draw to qualify for Euro '88, and they're falling up in half an hour. He scores the first goal with a slide tackle, just harasses yeah. defender who faffs <laughs> around. Slide tackle goal. Um, yeah, I mean, Beardsley, of all the changes they made in 86, I think bringing Beardsley in was the biggest one, and him and Lineker just... I think the fact he... Lineker is a mile ahead of everyone else, but to have him with Beardsley is a... Yeah. It's chemistry, isn't it? It's chemistry. It is, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, mildly envious of that. Uh, I think it's a pretty good team. I mean, you know, you're not going to be winning many tackles, that's the only thing in midfield, but, yeah. I suppose it depends. Like, it's a it's a classic good, good day, bad day team, isn't it? On a bad day, yeah. they'll get ransacked and on a good day they'll just play the best football by a mile of our three teams Rob then happy yeah up to a point I think I'm very happy Robson I still think is the best player by not by mile but ahead of Lineker anyway Shilton who played about I think I looked into this Shilton conceded an average of about one goal every two games. Clements was about a goal every game. Um, Woods hardly played. Woods actually kept 12 clean sheets and 14 appearances, but weirdly, nine of them were sub. They, yeah. they subbed a lot. I mean, that, and yeah. that also affects Shilton's stats. I'm not being kind of disingenuous because it was Shilton coming on. No, I know. I think I've got the best fullbacks by a distance for the yes. criteria. Centre backs, not so good, but um, they're okay. I still think, apart from Butcher and to extent Walker, and I get Phil Thompson. I, I didn't see Phil Thompson enough, to be honest. Um, so I'm not too disappointed in that. Midfield, I think, got a great balance of craft and directness. 
and the front two played together a lot. And Keegan was arguably the best player in Europe for a while. It's like the eighties. Um, in the circumstances, I think it's a pretty decent team. Um, I, it's weird that I found myself ending up with a team mostly comprising players before I started watching football properly. Yeah. Um, mainly just because like I was about to pick Hoddle when he went, I was about to pick Walker when he went. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Centre backs could do better, but you know. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're good in trouble. And I actually, mean, I am. It, um... it does sound like the original, the first day Watson was a, probably slightly past his back, but a very good player. I mean, I think he won about seventy caps, and that's worth like 110 now, given the infrequency of international yeah, yeah, games. So, yeah, not yeah, pretty good. I don't think it's my finest effort in these drafts, but I think it's good. And I think in in fantasy football terms, what they call differentials, I think that's probably where mine is strongest. So, Shilton, Sanson, Robson. And to a lesser extent, Gary Stevens versus the competition. I think that's a really big advantage. But then, you know, you also have some of them yourselves with other players. Um, one last thing to be boring. So basically, Sansom, Robson and Shilton, by a distance, played the most games in the 80s. So I do think that kind of counts for something. For England, that is, obviously. Yeah, you've got you get a lot of um, consistency there. I'm deeply envious of your fullbacks. For sure, especially one of them. Um, very annoyed. I'll, 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 I'll swap them for your friend too. <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, probably the most balanced team, um, which is a staple. Gary's Gary's in life on the the, the, the drafts. Um, oh no, Gary! If you, if you went to a tournament, if you went to a tournament, however, how long before Robson and Keegan broke? Down? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I suppose that's a the, yeah, yeah. yeah or, or you, I suppose you could say the same about John Barnes at Italian ninety or um, this is this eighties. Butcher Pro, I mean, but you even get to a tournament. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a fair point. I, I actually, it's ended up being quite a lot of the eighty-two team, um, yeah. not particularly by design. But I suppose yeah. the only thing I would say is that had Brook and Keegan been fit, then England would have had a decent chance of winning that competition. Um, yeah. But then again, they weren't fit, so it depends how you kind of. Um, yeah. what you decide as being important and I haven't a clue because it's not real but uh, well, a, a fit Brooking and, and Keegan is a very strong axis I picked them more on qualification because England basically they got England to yeah. to um, Spain particularly with the hungry away game which easy to forget now how big a victory that was both the timing because they just lost to Switzerland and actually would have been loose to Norway but also because Hungary was still had a bit of, a bit of an aura anyway particularly away from home um, and England played very well at one three one, and it's a famous goal when Brooking hits gets stuck in the stanchion. So yeah, that was the kind of reasoning for picking them mainly. But oh, I mean, obviously, if Lineker and Beers were available, then I'd have had those, but they weren't. Yeah, uh, just say one thing because I, I I can be a little dismissive of Kenny Sanson. I I just did not see him as. Uh, uh, class player, despite the fact he was picked eighty but odd times. What were the alternatives, him? though? Well, I mean, maybe I, I that, think from everything it. I've read, I think he was a very good player. But even if he wasn't, he's still the best left back because Pierce didn't really emerge till like mid to late eighties. Samson's the only left back option here. Yeah, Derek I mean, Stavin maybe, was a good yeah. player by all accounts, as I said, but yeah, he, he he was five foot eight. His liability on set pieces defending because he, you know, he was not going to win headers, and I, I don't remember him marauding up the or. The, uh, the the wing and overlapping. He was one of those kind of solid, solid first division as it was then then players, but he kept getting picked for England. And you think, well, you've got to give somebody else a, a chance to see if they can 
do something. So I, I you know, again, maybe there's a that little bit of um, yes. that little but, bit of memory and prejudice coming in there. The thing so is I just that, didn't think it was any good. So at right back, there were Rob Bobby Robson tried loads of people, Mike Duxbury and people yeah. like that, and um, Santa must be doing something right. I would say there are there are some nice moments. There's a very clever free kick from which Hoddle scores. Might be when they beat Turkey 8 0. It's one of the Euro 88 qualifiers, anyway. Um, I don't know, like I said, you've slightly brought my time, but every, I, I do remember the way people spoke about him, almost slightly reverential about his kind of composure and ability. Whether that was accurate, I don't know, but I do know that people like Venables and Bobby Robson really rate him. Yeah. But, Would yeah. the regal feature, do we think, a left back? If we played, I think he played one or two games. Yeah, I, I was definitely thinking about him, but he just played so few matches. Yeah. Okay, you're allowed a wild card. There aren't many, there are not many players sitting about the airport here, not not quite with a ticket um to take to your whatever tournament you're going to. Um Gary, is there anyone who has not been picked that you think actually I'll make that swap right at the very last minute? Uh well it's it's kind of hard because the, the players kind of come through later in their in their careers. Um, you know, I, I'm glad Terry McDermott got a mention because he was a, a fine player coming from deep. Um, the the only player we didn't really play very much in the 80s, he came through in the 90s, is, is David Platt. I mean, he, he he did play in the 80s, whether if he'd had an earlier start, you know, he, he came through, I think, at Crewe, didn't he, uh, David Platt? So whether he could have come into the England setup and made the the difference at an earlier time of his footballing life, I don't know. But um, certainly for players who, who've played for England in the 80s who haven't got a mention, as I say, albeit that most of his career was in the 90s, then, then David Platt would definitely be uh, a name. Rob, any last-minute changes for you? Hodge was one I thought about, but I think I prefer the balance of booking on the left rather than booking in the middle. So, no, I will stick with my dad's army. I just, I just, I'll just add to David Platt. Amazingly, he played 134 times for Crew, mm. scoring 56 goals. Yeah. Yeah. He only really it was it was 89-90. He yeah. really started to emerge when Villa counted for the league. There was a game actually when they walloped Everton six two on live. I remember TV. watching it in my brother's flat. <laughs> yeah, live TV was a big thing. That was the first time I yeah. noticed him. He got two, but one was really classy. Just the oh you know, yeah, the, the kind of. Slow heart rate in the penalty area he just sends. I think it's Keown actually just sends him for a walk and scores. And then that season he was fantastic. Yeah, it really. I'm fascinated by players who do that, who really just suddenly kick on at around 24, 25. Yeah, I am too. Who knows why it happens? Gentlemen, that will do us. I think for our um, discussion about England in the 80s, we have three teams for you, the listener, to decide who is best. You'll see those popping up um, on Twitter or X um, this uh, week, and you'll get to have your say about who has done the best in this week's draft. Thank you very much, Gary. Thank you. If I get 10%, I'll be surprised, but yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. Cheers. And we'll be back soon with another Ness and Dorma draft. We have France 98, their first year of the Premier League and a Champions League season from 99-2000 on the way. Until then, bye for now.